Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. And I'm Katie Zakreski. Together, we'll guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Oh, and we'll have fun while doing it, too. Yeah, it's a party. So grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. Thank you all for joining us again. We're super excited to have you all here. And today we're going to talk a little bit about our ridiculous reliance on foreign oil. But before we move into that, let's just kind of do a check-in with all of our hosts here. Hannah, you just had a birthday, didn't you? I did. It's my Taylor Swift year, everyone. I turned 22. <gasps> You're a baby. Oh, my goodness. I know I, know I am I a baby. Really but that's how I do the Young Conservative Radio Show is because I'm a baby and I care about the environment. So That's true. Yeah, we, we have verified our conservative cred, and now we're working on verifying our young conservative cred. Should we, like, get in with, like, the Gen Z, Gen X language, you know? No, let's stay away from that. <laughs> Maybe on our social media. <laughs> Maybe on our social media, not on here. <laughs> yeah, not none of your dank memes will be in this episode, gang. Okay, yeah. well, maybe one. We could probably work a, a an oil meme in here in a little. I'm always here for the dank memes. You know, I think we should start making some. Zach, can you get us get that rolling up for us, please? Oh, I, I could definitely get that rolling. Get it moving on our Reddit and. Uh, <laughs> our team of elite researchers is cooking <laughs> up memes as we speak. Cooking up memes. <laughs> hey, Trump won the election in 2016 thanks to the meme team. <laughs> <laughs> so um speaking of which it is pumpkin spice season and i've been kind of thinking about pumpkin and spice and how nicely they go together um has anyone like completely dedicated their lives to finding the best pumpkin spice frappuccino like i have so i think that while i do not consume pumpkin spice products i feel like if you walked into my house at any given time right now you go <laughs> Mm, a white woman lives here. A a young white woman who loves pumpkin spice lives here. Because it just, I've got like all the Glade plugins and all the wax warmers right now, where it's just like everything just smells like caramel and pumpkin and everything you can think of within that vein. So yeah, although I don't consume it, everything smells like it for sure. I absolutely agree. Also, all about, all about the sweet smelling candles. Oh, Zach, you did not strike me as the pumpkin spice type. Are you? Are you? I'm the sugary marshmallow fireside candle <gasps> guy. Ooh, the the fireside ones are always the best. I don't know why they just like they have mastered the art of like that slight burn smell, and then the like the sweet like s'mores smell. A, a lot of those candles. The, if I see like a like a fireside one, I'm grabbing like three, if not more. <laughs> so I have a thought experiment for you guys as we're talking about okay, foreign oil. That involves pumpkin spice. Just, mm. uh, you know, lean into this with me for a second. And I'm if this doesn't work out, then we can, like, <laughs> have our producer slice it out or something. But imagine that pumpkin spice was critical to our economy, right? I'm following. So crucial. I mean, it kind of is in the fall. I was supposed to say, it already is. Yeah. It already is. You know, our economy collapses the minute Starbucks runs out of pumpkin spice <laughs> frappuccinos. Imagine... The pumpkin spice frappuccino is just like the pinnacle and central part of our economy. But we only bought it from authoritarian regimes. Would that make any sense? No, and I'd be very upset that we're not perfecting our own pumpkin spice recipe here and giving jobs (laughs) to people to do that and using capitalism to innovate the creation of a better pumpkin spice. Absolutely. And I am so angry that 
we would be upset about doing that with pumpkin spice, and yet we allow our government to do that with oil and petroleum, right? Does that bother any of you guys as much as it bothers me? I'm going to be honest. Go ahead, I was going to say, it definitely bothers me a lot, being reliant on these foreign dictators that use slavery, that use all sorts of menacing techniques on vulnerable people, and then export war and export their security to us, and we're still buying their oil and our gas pump is still reliant on what the whim of the day is for these dictators halfway across the world. Yeah, I'm just saying, if I had to pull up to Starbucks and pay any more than I already do for a pumpkin spice latte, I'd be pretty mad. Yeah. Imagine pulling up to Vladimir Putin's office and buying a pumpkin spice <laughs> frappuccino, and he controls the price of that pumpkin spice frappuccino, yeah. right? Do you think Putin drinks pumpkin spice lattes? I don't do know. We should does? ask him. Hmm. Send him a letter from Green Tea Party Radio. Yeah, let's, I'm sure he'd love to, to, <laughs> to read that. Well, that's a, a strange but a sufficient segue in today's topic. As we said, it's going to be our reliance on foreign oil. There's three main points that we're going to dwell on a little bit today about how our reliance on foreign oil compromises America's national security, about how it, it would be much better better economically in the long term to shift away from foreign oil and why it's a moral issue to be reliant on foreign oil. We're going to unpack all that for you all today in as much time as we can. Let's hop into it, gang. I think first off, the massive expenditures that we undertake securing this supply of oil basically for the world and being the global police, ensuring this oil gets to where it needs to go, protecting shipping lanes, we have wasted so much money that we could have better spent investing in our own country, developing our own infrastructure, and building up our own people instead of wasting on bullets and guns and protecting nations and killing people that are halfway across the world that probably all hate us now. I was just going to say, I, I have established my reputation as the non-numbers person on this show. Science people, do we have any numbers to uh, illustrate just how uh, terrifically bad that expenditure is when it comes to national security and reliance on foreign oil? I found a range of numbers from every side I look at quotes a different number, but it all ranges between two to eight trillion dollars spent on the two wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, where we didn't really accomplish our goals of bringing democracy to these countries, or I have no idea what our actual goals finally ended up being. It was not a mission accomplished for us. Well, I don't like ruling in absolutes, but that seems like a lot more money than I'm ever going to see in my lifetime. So that's a whole lot of money. On top of that, just think about how many people's lives and their human rights are tied to those figures. That is a price that we can't really put a monetary value on, right? Yeah, we basically radicalized all these people in Iraq and Afghanistan by killing their parents. And now they will hate our country for the rest of their lives and probably pass that down for generations. There's nothing to gain from it. We, didn't, we don't have allies there anymore. Iraq hates us. Afghanistan hates us. Mm. I think that we might have mentioned this in the last episode, or maybe it was, it was in a conversation with each other when we weren't live on the mic. It seems like, you know, a lot of this involvement with the Middle East is also a national security issue because we've seen them start to gravitate more towards China in recent years. Zach, I think you had been the one to mention that a few weeks ago. Do you want to bring that up? Right now, the Middle East is realizing that the U.S. doesn't buy nearly as much oil and fossil fuels from them as China does. And China is continuing to grow, continuing to buy more whereas we're reducing how much we buy and becoming more self-reliant. Mm. They realize that their allegiances are starting to shift and that they may have a stronger partner in China who's going to be more consistent for the future. 
Mm-hmm. And China understands the vulnerability that they have in this reliance in the Malacca Strait, where if anything ever happens between the U.S. and China, the U.S. would shut off the Malacca Strait and cut off all trade for China. So they're working through their Belt and Road Initiative to build pipelines and better interconnect with Pakistan, Iran, and secure their energy future. Well, and I'm no geopolitical expert, but part of me thinks, oh, well, in the short term, like, okay, well, it's not our problem anymore. But obviously, you know, this has some pretty dangerous implications for looking further down the road, you know? Yeah, yeah, this is, um, this could be problematic, but right now it's sort of beneficial. It gives us a chance to look introspectively at ourselves and wonder, do we need to be in the Middle East? Do we need to waste our money and our manpower propping up these authoritarian regimes who don't hold our same moral standings? What do you think, Hannah? I've read a lot about rentier states. If anyone has heard of a rentier state, what a rentier state is, is it's a government that is completely funded through leasing its lands for oil. A lot of these states in the Middle East are rentier states. They can afford not to tax their citizens. And as much as I hate, and I'm sure that every conservative hates, and I'm sure that each of us here hates taxes, Mm -hmm. there is something to say that they can hold our government financially responsible for the things that they do. And in the Middle East, people don't have very many civil liberties. They trade their civil liberties for not being taxed and having this universal basic income. So their government is still massive, even though they don't get taxed. The government doesn't have to be responsible to its citizens on how it spends its money because it's not the citizens' money, right? It's money given to them from American oil companies. That creates a huge wealth disparity between the people who are in government and then regular citizenry of places like Iran. I, as someone who doesn't like large government anywhere in the world, and also who doesn't like propping up dictators and anti-Christian regime type, I would prefer to not be supporting that when I go to pay at the pump. That's something I've noticed as we've talked a little bit about this already. It seems like these ideas of national security and economics and morality are really, really interwoven with one another. You know, you can't have one mentioned without the other being mentioned. You've mentioned feeling it at the pump, feeling it in the wallet. Let's talk a little bit about some of those economic ramifications for our reliance on foreign oil. Yeah, I don't want to be reliant on these foreign dictators for oil because they can decide to raise the price at the pump. OPEC controls 80.4% of uh, crude oil reserves in the world. Mm. They can, depending on the mood, cut their production, and this will raise prices all across the world at the pump, raising each individual's daily expenditures just to use their car on a commute. Yeah, and another thing that we can think about is job creation. Think about not only if we are not vulnerable to foreign dictators and our pocketbooks are vulnerable to foreign dictators, but think about how many more jobs will be created here in the United States. We're bringing those jobs that we've exported out to foreign countries back home. These jobs will be created as we embrace clean energy technologies. Those jobs will be much higher paying. They'll be more prestigious. They'll be safer than sending our military out to go and uh, prop up foreign dictators in order to exploit their oil resources. That doesn't sound like something the average American really wants to contribute to or be a part of. So last episode, y'all pretty much drug my soapbox out of the closet and put me on it and y'all done it again. Um, This is, I I guess we're just going to start having a standing feature called Katie's Soapbox. I'm so glad you brought up job creation and economic opportunities. A, A little bit of Katie lore for you all. 
here a few years ago, I worked on a solar energy campaign here in Arkansas, which uh, anybody would know from a quick Google search. We're a really red state. We, we, we lean very, very, very red, a very conservative. When we pitched this Solar Access Act to a lot of our state legislature, we would tell them about the job opportunities, the economic opportunities, you know, job creation potential for making solar panels more popular. And these aren't jobs that you need four-year degrees for. This is, you know, you go and you get some on-the-job training and you start doing it. A lot of what we told our state legislators was the sun is going to rise and it's going to set no matter what. You might as well make money off of it if you can. And when we talked a lot about all of this economic opportunity is just sitting there untapped and all of these job opportunities, job creation opportunities are just sitting there. That bill ended up being overwhelmingly passed in our state legislature with only like five no votes. For me, that was like a template of this is how green energy should be marketed to conservatives. There's so much economic potential. If we were to get away from our reliance on foreign oil and focus more on building up the clean energy sector here in the United States, it would create so many stable jobs, um, really open up new avenues of income for so many people who might not have had access to that before. And it's it's there anyway. There's always going to be the sun. There always There's always going to be wind. There's always going to be water. Just take advantage of it. It's going to be there no matter what. So I 110% agree with you, Anna. Also, another thing is we know that we're running out of fossil fuels in general. Mm. We don't know how much more fossil fuels we have. Why would we be investing in these bloody wars and these foreign countries that have authoritarian regimes? Why would we do that in the first place for something that we aren't even certain we're going to be able to continue to do for much longer. Mm-hmm. It's something we should be doing anyway. The fact that we're choosing not to, it's just absolutely absurd to me, especially when it comes to our energy security and our national security. Why are we continually looking outside? I think one point for me that may be a little tangential on our oil reserves is this is only a limited resource and we will only have it for 100, 200, 150 years we need to make make sure that stretches out as long as we can and use it for industries where renewables will not be ap- applicable. I view fossil fuels as a high energy density resource that we're going to need if we're going to want to continue to expand mm-hmm. our society mm-hmm. skyward and build out space shuttles and fly out to the moon, to Mars, and colonize other planets. We're going to need energy dense sources if we want to reach those places. And we can't do that with solar panels. So we're going to need to save oil and natural gas to be able to pump and thrust those spaceships into into the outer atmosphere and begin spacefaring. I agree with you completely. And I think that you've both raised an, a really interesting point in the fact that fossil fuels are so stagnant in terms of innovation. We've capped our ability to improve ourselves any further beyond a certain point. Our reliance on foreign oil is also a morality issue all the way around it, whether you talk about the abuses going on in countries that control the oil that we're reliant on all the way to hurting some of the most vulnerable populations here in the country every time that they have to pay outrageous prices when they go to the pump. Hannah, you had mentioned some of those regime issues earlier in this episode when it comes to reliance on foreign oil. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So I had been talking a lot about rentier states. One of the ones that I know the most is Kuwait. I have people close to me who live in Kuwait and they've talked about how luxurious the lifestyle is there and how prosperous the people are. 
Personally, I mean, I love to feel like I'm pampered by the government. Actually, not by the government. I just like being pampered. Um, <laughs> but they, like she's talking about like how beautiful the malls are there and how everyone's shopping. But she also mentioned she's like, none of these people can criticize their government. They don't have the right to free speech. They have a nationalized religion, which is Islam, which no, no, no shade to Islam or anything like that. But I wholeheartedly believe in my First Amendment right to criticize the government. I believe in my First Amendment right to practice my religion without the government getting in the way. I think about how antithetical to our very libertarian ideas, meaning that small government values that we have here, how weird it is that we would be willing to prop up those type of regimes around the world, especially when it's taking away people's human rights. Another thing about it is there's such a wealth disparity between people who live in Kuwait who have this universal basic income there that's created through these rentier states making deals with oil companies and by leasing their land that immigrants who come in who are not given that universal basic income are treated terribly. There's women who will go to work as au pairs and the families who are taking them in as an au pair will take their passport away. They know they're completely dependent. In some ways, those kinds of systems create forms of slavery that I also don't want to support. And if you look at all these regimes, they're all anti-Christian, mm-hmm. anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. they're all anti-democracy. And if you're a conservative with any brainwave activity going on, all of those things should be big red flags for you. And that should be enough in and of itself to say, nah, I don't think I want to be dependent or vulnerable to or reliant on in literally any way to any of those things. One other thought that, you know, I'm kind of going to soapbox on, but I think it's a lot turn. about... Yeah, but pull out your soapbox. It's your turn. Yeah, it's my turn. I think a lot about like oil subsidies and how much money that we spend in oil subsidies. As someone who really appreciates fiscal conservatism in the government, not just in like the way the government spends on social programs and stuff like that. It's a really big blind spot in conservative messaging that we don't mm-hmm. talk about the spending in oil subsidies. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we have to subsidize it so much is because we're dependent on foreign oil. If we just subsidize energy here that we can develop, we'd be saving a ton of money first of all. And second of all, we'd be creating jobs here. The subsidies that we're dumping into fossil fuels are just going internationally. That's taxpayer money, my money, your money, mm-hmm. that is going directly out of our country and directly into the hands of other people. That's so missing in the conversation is why are my taxes going to support foreign governments? Why are my taxes going to support oil mm-hmm. companies? Mm-hmm. If I am so concerned about fiscal conservatism in every other way, why would I not also care about oil subsidies? Mm -hmm. Zach, I'm going to kick it over to you in a minute because I heard you talk about this earlier, you know, before we started recording. But for me, a lot of people ask, you know, what what is the happy marriage between being a conservative and being an environmentalist? And for me, it's a pro-life issue. I'm very, very pro-life. One of the most glaring points in terms of morality on reliance in foreign oil is just how much war and how many American lives have been lost, torn apart, how many families have had to deal with the repercussions of that, just for us to be reliant on something that we're going to run out of within the next couple decades, something that we've already capped our innovation on. That For me, that is a very staunchly pro-life issue 
You cannot say that you're pro-life and then continue to send all sorts of young people off into the Middle East for what I would consider to be a lost cause. Zach, you had talked a little bit about some of what you'd heard from veterans following everything that happened in Afghanistan. These veterans went and fought for what they thought was going to be bringing freedom, democracy to these countries. It just seems like it was a lie. It seems like it was for nothing. They went, they died, and they lost limbs. A lot of people don't didn't appreciate it. They didn't like that the our government was interfering with their country. We pushed a lot of radicalism because of the people we were just killing left and right. These countries didn't become democracies. The Taliban took Afghanistan back over. Iraq is a pseudo-democracy, but is falling under the influence of Iran. It's becoming like a proxy war between Israel and Iran now. We've just wasted lives. We've killed probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of innocent people in these wars. It didn't help us. It didn't support us. It didn't accomplish anything that we wanted. And I think it was just a waste of life. mm, mm. So while we could probably spend at least the next 10,000 years talking about these topics, and we'll get a chance to flesh out this more in future episodes, gang, let's start to wrap up. If you had to take anything away from today's episode, it would be the fact that our reliance on foreign oil is really compromising for our nation's national security. It's very compromising to our own economic stability, and it's a moral issue above all. We'll delve into this more in future episodes about why our reliance on foreign oil is something that we need to move away from. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you love it. We love you very much, very deeply. We're going to write all of our listeners' names on a piece of paper and worship it. Just kidding, no. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, we could tattoo it on our arm, but it's against my religion. Anyways. (laughs) So, for our listeners, please email us with your thoughts your questions, your comments, concerns, or just how much you love us. Info at greenteenpartyradio.com. And here's your action step. Please share this episode with a fellow young conservative or just a conservative. We're airing on college radio stations and you can find Green Team Party Radio wherever you get podcasts or even at our website. We want to reach a lot of people. We're building a movement and we need your help. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to have your name written on our list of our favorite people. Thank you for listening to Green Tea Party Radio, and a very special thank you to all of our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. If you're interested in getting early access to episodes, as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That was a pretty uh, epic, Hannah. <laughs> I was gonna say we're gonna tattoo on my neck, but then I was like, no. Yeah, I'm gonna get face tattoos for everybody who subscribes to our Patreon. No, no, actually, no, I'm not. I want to be able to get a job, <laughs> work that job, and <laughs> do things with that job. I, I, I've got a bunch of tattoos all over me, but face and neck and hands, no, it's a no go. I can cover everything else. Yeah, I fervently believe that my body is a temple, and I I would also have a hard time deciding what to do if I did do a tattoo. It's okay, I'll get a tattoo for you. Thank you. you can do that. <laughs> I have that's, that's, that's what I was chuckling about to myself. Yeah, is there, is there a cat purring? I have no idea what that is. Well, it's... Oh. 
Is that me? No way. No way that's me. Uh-uh. No, I'm going to hold this mic right here. It's quite as a mouse, still as a rock. That's what I was laughing about when you asked if if I was like a pumpkin spice connoisseur, Hannah. Because I, I often have this mental image of myself. I'm covered in tattoos and piercings. And I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm like super intimidating like the first time they meet me. You are and then I like I, I've heard that. See, there you go. And then I like scoop up a baby and kiss a kitten and I drink a pumpkin spice latte and people are like, well, okay, well, I believe that all out of proportion. So it's a uh, first impressions are everything. And I like to scare people on my first impression. And they, find <laughs> out, and they find out I'm a teddy bear and it's, <laughs> it's fine. And then I read poetry and like long walks on the beach and books about Europe and all that good stuff. You're so great. Also, <laughs> hopefully you guys didn't mind me just like, pooping that all out as I was going, but no, that I was, was great. it from the seat of my pants. Yeah, no, no, that was great. You, you, you knocked it out of the ballpark. For somebody Thank who you. just sat in like 10 hours of traffic, you had it significantly more better together. Well, I, 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 I've been reading about it and like thinking about it. And then I've been like, I had been on my mind all week. So I was like listening to podcasts about it. So I had all these like thoughts. And then there was me who two days ago was like, what's the topic again? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel what like I still put that in my, my, my pocket as I was going. I don't know. See, that's proof that y'all are smart people. If y'all can just be like, yeah, I just have these thoughts floating around in my head about our reliance on foreign oil. <laughs> and I'm like, I have 50 cats and they are all playing with my brain cell at this moment. <laughs> oh, you guys are great. <laughs> Conservative and concerned about climate change? You're not alone. My name is Chelsea Henderson, and I host RepublicEN.org's Eco Right Speaks, bringing you weekly guest interviews and stories. John Kasich, Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an Eco Right leader bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe and join us each week on the Eco Right Speaks.